Hello again, everyone. This is Carrie, and Tom is here, and we are yep. doing our weekly podcast, and we are continuing our series on the Enneagram, and we are really excited today to have my friend Kathy joining us. Your friend? My friend, too. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And Kathy, what number are we talking about today? Today we're talking about number one. Enneagram number one. We have two ones in this room. Yes. And Carrie. <laughs> now, when, when they say number one, it doesn't mean they're the best number, but just that... Of course it does. Well, depends on, depends on who <laughs> you ask. Try. Yeah, exactly. Um, so again, I hope you're able to go back and look at Tom's message from this past week on Enneagram Ones, which are the perfectionist, and a little bit to know about Ones. Um, they are really driven to be responsible. They are... Um, probably the people that, as Tom said, they walk into a room and they are going to always see the thing that needs fixing that is not right. Um, yeah, you have a couple hairs out of place. Oh, yeah. There. You're going to fix, fix it later? <laughs> Excellent. Um, but I won't go into it too much because I really want to have a chance today to hear from Tom and Kathy about their experience being a one. So, mm-hmm. um, But for a little groundwork, go back and watch that episode. So. Um, yeah, and what I would say, really, even before we get into that, we're trying to keep reminding people there are resources available. So, like, if you come here on a Sunday morning and you get that bulletin, there's a whole bunch on the back. But a couple of the things we're working off of are like um, the book, um, The Road Back to You, yes. is one. Uh, we've highlighted what's the guy's name who does the devotionals? Tyler, Tyler Zach. Zach. Tyler Zach. You should look up um, Enneagram Institute. Yes. Um, and of course, this this podcast yes (laughs) um so i want to get into a couple quick questions the first one is this i know so as a as a one the perfectionist um what you are saying tom is that really as much as ones want everything to be right around them you are probably the hardest on yourselves and what i was reading from suzanne stabile stabile (laughs) is that for for a one you tend to have this constant inner critic can you guys talk to me about that? Um, sure. I, you know, again, I I would go back to saying if there was, I think everybody can look at the Enneagram and kind of identify with little bits of different numbers, but there are one or two big things that stand out for me, which like convinced me that I was a one. And that is one of them. Like, I think from the time I was a kid, I would see the thing that was wrong, but also like I was always driven to be like, I never started something and didn't want to be the best. Not in like a cocky way. I don't think like maybe sometimes, but, but it's more like, I just need to perfect this thing. I am going to get this right. Like spelling was like my favorite subject in school as a kid. Right. Because I liked the fact that you could just be accurate and I hated things like I don't know, writing essays because it's all subjective, right? So I don't know. I, um, I'm really answering your question, but I noticed that as a kid, that would be my, I wanted to get it right. And again, even growing up in my bedroom, right? I, f- I was the kid who like folded my clothes and and hung things up at a oh, certain point, like color coded it. Like it was just weird as a kid, but it was just this thing. I'm going to have this like for me um, perfectly like ordered life that I don't want to get out of place. And when it does get out of place, that's when you start beating yourself up inside. So that was my experience. Okay. And I know it's kind of wide ranging, ranging with a one. So Kathy might have some different stories or experiences with her. Um, but even certainly like on the moral side, like 
as a follower of Jesus to like getting hung up on, I'll never get past this thing, or I, I can never defeat whatever, whatever it might be, which can also be very discouraging at times. Mm So yeah, it's constant and it's still, still there. I don't think it ever leaves you, you know, your personality. And I'm glad you brought that up, Tom, because one of the reasons we're going through this series is really understanding in our spiritual walk or our relationship with God, how our personality might affect that. And so for you, I'm sure, um, again, you talked about grace being such an important message mm-hmm. for you as a mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you can relate to that, that feeling of being stuck in something and wishing you could get out from underneath it and just needing to accept God's grace. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. Kath, would you add anything else about the inner critic or what that looked like for you? How yeah. you knew you were one? I mean, I have a fear of being wrong or like saying the wrong thing or like doing something wrong or, um, yeah, like it's, it's paralyzing for me almost. Like there's this huge embarrassment and like, oh my gosh, that forever will taint everyone's opinion of me. Now they just know I'm the person that was wrong about that one thing. (laughs) Or I don't know. It's just a big like thing. Every time that happens, I have to like work really hard to get over it. Um, And it's interesting bringing up the like spiritual side of that too. I know as a kid, I every time there was like a salvation message preached, I was like, what if I did it wrong the first time and it didn't work and I didn't do it right. So I got to do it again. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Just in case, like, cause I don't want to get that wrong. Like that's a big deal. So, um, would you say like guilt was a guilt is huge and still is. Yeah. Huge. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So like just having to, again, like accept forgiveness and accept grace over and over again like every time it's like okay we have to work through this whole process again to try to mm-hmm. absolve it in myself somehow mm-hmm. i do think that um that is a distinction i think i tried to make in my message but i, I think is so huge i do know that ones could come across critical um i know i can at times i th- again I'm, I'm hopefully as i grow and mature i round that out but I want people to know it's way more with myself than anybody else. Mm. Again, that is huge, I think, for ones. I think people need to understand that. When we come across critical, it's probably because we're at a point where we just can't literally take it anymore. <laughs> um, but it's not because we're mad at someone or think that they're, a, you know, they have a terrible way. It's just, you know what I'm saying? It's just, I can't. Yes. Now, let me ask you, so I was talking to someone yesterday after the service who was talking about their interactions with ones and how um, sometimes when you can tell your friend who's a one is beating themselves up about something, you try to make it better. But how does that work for you? Does, is it is it difficult for you to feel, to take someone's encouragement when they're saying, oh, no, you're okay, everything's fine? Like, what is a good way for someone to respond to you? That's encouraging that and, good que- and not patronizing. That's actually a good question. Um, yeah, because I, I don't want to be patronized. I also don't want to be told I did a good job when I know I did a bad job. Oh. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Very, so it's very hard to take compliments, honestly. Okay. Yeah. I feel like the important thing is to be honest about it. Like, don't say, oh, it was fine when it clearly wasn't. Mm-hmm. But 
saying, yeah, that was kind of awful, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> like, it's okay that it was awful. That doesn't make you a bad person or like that doesn't, like, I still think highly of you or I still like you as a person. Yeah. So don't tell me it was good when it wasn't. Right. Okay. So I do, I do think, here's the ironic thing. I think honesty is really important with a one. But I also do get offended. I don't know about you. I get offended when people correct me too. So it is that hard balance. So I do think also like everything else, it's important to have people in your life that know that. Mm -hmm. And I have, of course, my wife and family. I have you guys, my close friends who I know will be honest with me, but can be gentle and affirming at the same time, you know? Yeah. Well, and Kathy, I liked what you said that being honest, okay, recognizing, having someone recognize that you made a mistake, but you're still loved or that you're still valued and, and that the lie that you might believe that you can only be as good as your perfection is not true. So um, that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm also curious. I know, again, perfection can look a lot of different ways. Um, one thing that I was reading this week was that sometimes, okay, we, we, we'll talk about the anger in a minute, but... Um, Sometimes when you're feeling angry, which, well, let's just start there maybe. Would you say that you, I know the anger triad, you're Mm -hmm. in the anger triad. Would you say that you feel like angry people or is that more something that? I'll let Kathy go first. Okay. (laughs) I think yes. Okay. Um, And I try very hard to suppress or not, um. Not put it outward. Okay. But I am very angry. Um, Especially about injustices or um, just things that I see wrong in the world. Like there's so so many things I'm furious about. I get very angry when people drive 50 miles an hour in the fast. (gasps) Yes. Yes. I don't, I, there has to, that has to be my number one anger piece. Good to know. (laughs) It's not my number one, but it's on the list for sure. (laughs) But what happens is I think like, even like you could, whatever the issue might be, you talk about it, you work it out, whatever. And then people still do the same thing. I think that's another thing that one struggle with is repeated. Are you kidding me? Like, Okay. You did that again, or this happened again. Yes. Um, so I, that's where I think resentment can build up. Because you then feel like you're responsible to fix it? Uh, I don't even know the... so much. I just get so frustrated that people don't obey the rules or ignore the rules because maybe they think they're above the rule. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that in that, you don't say anything at first and then you, you try to go home and you, you let your spouse hear it, but it really bothers yeah. me inside. I get angry. So like I've had some dealings with uh, systems of like government. So whether it's the healthcare system or the court system or whatever. And I, it drives me crazy that it can be like it's a system and it's supposed to help and it's supposed to better society Mm -hmm. and it's just causing harm Mm -hmm. and it just nobody is fixing it Mm -hmm. in one's love systems 
Yes, ones, I love systems. We talked about that. We, you know, that is a kind of a thing of our one. You, they're very organized, right? So they like systems. But when injustice pops up, that's a big deal. Again, for me, maybe it's not so much that, but it's inefficiency. So if I see something that's just inefficient, like why is that taking so long? Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great. It's a great point. Now, along with that, because I almost wonder if you guys might have a little different take on this, but um, ones I read can sometimes be black and white thinkers and sort of maybe have a hard time moving from that from the ideology um which obviously then if you're frustrated about something if you're if you're saying okay this is the rules and this is um do you do you feel that way do you feel like it's hard for you to see multiple sides or i guess if you have a a nine wing maybe it's maybe well maybe that's a part of it um and it's a, again another great question because I do wonder. I, I sometimes I look at the one descriptions of all the different things, and I'm not sure I always fit nicely in that category. Um, and I think maybe that's one of the areas because I I love gray. Um, I do, th- but I will say if I think something is just, uh, and you guys like you're laughing because you know me. Like if if I believe strongly in something, it's typically like black and white. You're not going to change my mind on that. Okay. So really, I think it's just a piece of like. Again, again, I, I keep reminding people when we have like conversations outside like the Sundays and the sermons, which is really cool to see in our church. I have to keep reminding myself and them and all of us like we're, health is different than unhealth. And I think the healthier you are, mm-hmm. you lose some of that black and white thinking. So, of course, you go up and down. And when I'm down, I'm probably going to be thinking more black and white. Okay. I don't know if that resonates at all or if that makes sense to you, but... Yeah, no, I have a very strong nine wing. Like for a long time, I wasn't sure whether I was a nine or a one because it kind of goes, it's just very strong. Um, And even the way I was raised, like I feel like every time I came to my mom with a problem or something, she always looked at the other side and that offended me (laughs) as a child. But now as an adult, um, I think it just ingrained in me to like recognize there's another side um, and be open to hearing about the other side, even if they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And I do think, again, we're all great friends in here. I think it's one of the differences between Kathy and I. She has a strong nine wing. I have the other side. I'm I'm the two. So I, I, I see that in her. I see like the peacemaker part of it that she really does try hard to bridge gaps where there are some um and i don't know that that's my i don't know that's my strong side you know i'm more of like i'm gonna and not that kathy's not this but i'm gonna roll up my sleeve i'm gonna serve again when i'm in a good place Mm -hmm. i'm a little more extroverted which they say twos are um yeah two we haven't gotten to but that's the helper yep the helper yep um so I do see like that's a big pe- – in other words, how that plays out for me, it, which is weird because now I'm in this role as a lead pastor. But like I love the behind-the-scenes work. And when I'm at my best, I would much rather be doing that and no problem doing whatever task is given to me. Yes. And I'm going to do it efficiently and I'm going to yes. do it well. You yes. Know? Definitely. Um, so going back – just for a second to the anger. Um, Suzanne was saying that sometimes for for ones, being able to perfect something is like an outlet to manage some of that anger or resentment. Um, and she said, do not be patronizing of a one 
if they are perfecting the thing that gives them peace. Would you say if you look at your life that you have projects or you have certain things that you like to get perfect and it gives you peace? Mm. Whether home construction or crocheting. (laughs) Just to lob some out there. (laughs) Or church. I, I will just say, I don't know, because I, I, I've always said I, I really don't have a ton of hobbies, I, and I play sports, and that's it. I don't know if I could fit that in the example, but I will say, when I start something, I finish it. So at, at home, if it's whatever kind of project, if it's painting or building something, um, I, I will say, like, this may be weird, doing yard work. I actually like to do that, and I like to do it in my way, and... And that does give me peace because I am outside and um, and I don't love it. Like when my kids will sometimes say, hey, I'll help you because I want it to do it my way. <laughs> you yep, know? Yep. So I, I maybe in a sense that that is the thing or if, if something's left out there, it does bother me and I just want to do it. And that gives me peace. But okay. um, I know that's not directly answering your no, question. No, no. It was, it was a very specific question. But I, was, <laughs> I was curious if. What the, yeah. what the one experience is there. Yeah. It's interesting because I do have a lot of hobbies. Um, I like creativity and have all, all kinds of stuff with Puzzles that. And crochet. Yeah, and crafty things. Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. If it... I think there isn't a specific thing, but anything done to the, like best extent that I can okay is feels peaceful to me Mm -hmm. or like like when everything is neat and tidy like it's like it's weird things that bother me like if things just don't go smoothly like um like this is so dumb but it's like a weekly thing like our checks don't fit in the envelopes nicely and it's like Every time it's like I hit a snag in my like smooth like system of how I do this. Okay. And it's like such a dumb little thing, but I'm like, ugh, every time. And then like, but other times on the flip side, if it's like, oh my gosh, this thing just works every time and it's my favorite thing, even if it's like, I don't know, again, something small and dumb, like, oh, this stamp, like, is so clear, or, like, I don't know, <laughs> like, it's those tiny little things yes. that when things are, like, smooth or, like, cleverly fit together, that brings me so much joy. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask, if, even if you don't have a project that gives you peace, what is what are the things that give you joy or peace as a one? I know, Kath, you kind of already answered that yeah. somewhat, but I mean, Tom, well, is there anything is, you would add? Well, of course there is, and I, I probably have to like think for a little bit, but this is the actual problem with once. Our brains rarely shut off. Okay. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and we talk about like vacation, right? Mm-hmm. And I need vacations. I do. Um, and it's why... You know, my wife and I will have a disagreement because she wants to go off and do all the things on the vacation. And I just need that time to chill and find peace and quiet because it's constant, constant motor in my head. Um, And so that is one thing I will say that I do think ones need to chill out a little bit. Again, be still. Yeah. (laughs) Know that I'm God. Um, 
Uh, what was the question, though? <laughs> oh, just if anything brings you joy outside of... I know you said the gardening. Certain, yeah, certain yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so again, I, I, um, probably people are sick of hearing me say, I, you know, I love playing basketball. I've been doing it my entire life. That being able to go out there and to do the best that I can and still maybe somewhat compete with like younger, more athletic people is really satisfying. And I just, and I do love it. Um, so yeah. And, and again, the, the, the thing is, is I don't know that I care as much about other people thinking that I'm good or doing something good. I need to do it for myself. That's huge for me. Um, so yeah, even like when we play games, like solving puzzles, I like games, um, typically that are like, you own your own fate because I want to see if I can sure do that you know like we've done we've done here's a silly one we've we've done a bunch of escape rooms right Right. i don't want the hint i want to figure it out so that i can say look what i did yes you know what i mean and i think that would be both of you would probably say that (laughs) yes uh um Looking back at your life, are there, I, Tom, you might actually be able to share, I forget where you go, where ones tend to go in stress versus health. Yeah. So in stress, you go to a four, okay. which, which the four is like the, um, they're kind of like the little rogue, independent, creative, moody, angsty mm-hmm. person, you know, um, and I think that, well, you know, the ones will take the negative side of that where they can become very moody angsty depressed mm-hmm. more critical um so that's where you go in stress and and ironically well or not so much where you go in health is the seven which okay. is so true of me because sometimes my wife will say you used to love to have fun yeah <laughs> right and when i'm at my best i'm having fun we go out and we have a good time you know but I don't often do that because there are things to do and I need to get them done and then I could do it. Um, but again, having people in my life that are able to push me into that and say, let's go. And then I have fun. So, sure. um, yeah. So, but those are the two numbers that okay. we would go to in stress and in health. Would you, Kathy, do you have any stories of either being in a stress or in health? <laughs> well, that's very interesting that you, that you said, Sarah said, like you used to, want to have fun because like lately in myself I've been like I used to have more fun like just Mm. thinking of that and like I didn't even know that we would go to a seven I can definitely see myself currently like heading more towards a four in the like the world is terrible Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything around me is burning down and I don't know what to do about it and Mm like just kind of giving into that despair um because yeah because i've thought that about myself like oh i used to have so much more fun (laughs) yeah yeah that's very interesting and that's again another example of how i think this tool can just be insightful for people a hundred percent i i also sarah and i were talking after the message yesterday and i do want to be i want to make two i want to say two things first of all this series is long. There's nine numbers. We're going to talk about everybody and eventually, and by the way, the seven is the last one I think we're going to do. So you'll be waiting a while. Um, the poor seven. They <laughs> the poor hate sevens. to wait. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I would encourage people 
to hit the pause button on trying to self-identify too quickly. Now, you might know right away. That's fine. Um, but I do think sometimes, this is what Sarah and I were talking about. I think if someone is a perfectionist, they think, oh, I'm a one. I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. I think you could be a four and be a perfectionist, have perfectionist traits. You know what I mean? I think you could be a, a seven and have perfectionist traits. I think the big deal with the ones is the constant, well, there's two things, the constant inner critic mm-hmm. and this compel, this, uh, this compelling to improve like the morality of the world. I think okay. those are the two defining factors um, of all. So I would, I, I just wanted to say that because we were having that discussion about just because you like things neat and orderly right. does not mean necessarily you're a one. In fact, there's a lot of ones that probably aren't that in that way. That's that, that, that you bring that up. That's interesting. Cause I think that's another place we differ as mm-hmm. ones mm-hmm. is my outside world around me. Isn't necessarily neat and orderly. Um, which does bother me. So I'm always bothered by mm. it. But um, so mine is a lot more internal and mm-hmm. much bigger picture. Okay. Um, yeah. And sometimes like my immediate world is less structured. Yeah. Um, I also have no sense of time, which is interesting too. So I'm like no idea how much time has gone by and kinds of things like that, which I think is not typical of a one right um so that's yeah piggybacking on that kathy um you mentioned the big picture and i know when you talked about cleaning like so family dynamics i know you've talked about like you and your husband and how he will like go in a room and clean up all the major things but you'll spend a lot of time on one thing yes that is hugely typical so he will be like this room or this yeah this room is a mess i'm gonna clear everything out of it and then my daughter and i are like where's all our stuff (laughs) whereas i will which is helpful because i will get so bogged down in this one drawer or this one cabinet and i will like perfect it and color code and then the whole rest of the room is actually worse because of all the stuff I took out of the cabinet and I'm out of time to like do anything else um so that is definitely a thing what would either of you say is helpful especially if you're married to a one what would what would you say to someone who is in a relationship with a one in some way what what do you I don't know advice or what do you need to hear or Wow. Again, really good question because you're, we're talking about ourselves and I think we don't, we know we have a lot to <laughs> work on and improve. So it's a difficult conversation. I, I said it already. I think for me, I want people to know that I'm most hard on myself Okay. and I am typically wigging out inside whether you know it or not. And again, I think I'm in a healthy place for the most part, but there are times that, you know, I am not. Um, so so if someone could notice those times, I think what would be helpful is for them to not just automatically assume that it's anything about them or, again, the kids or the, it's it's really like we're trying to figure out inside how do I get to this place I know I need to get to. Mm-hmm. We know it in our heads. Sure. You know? 
So that's what I would say. I okay. would want people to know. Would you add anything else, Kathy? I don't know. I think, well, obviously with any relationship, I think communication is so important. Um, because I think I tend to think like, well, this is the right thing. And everybody should want the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why we aren't all going for this. Yeah. Um, and I'll, like I have to realize that like we don't all assume that this is the right thing. Yes. So we need to, I need to be more communicative and accepting that. Yeah, open-minded maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, okay, so that's not, you didn't even consider that. Sure. <laughs> I want to go back to a story that I think is really interesting, funny in some ways, but it was dreadful for me at the time. And I, I've probably told you guys about it, but for people who are listening. So a few years ago, we go to a camp every year and that's our one, our vacation, our main vacation, right? So our family takes off for a week and we go uh, to this camp and it's great. And um, you know, we've made a lot of friends there and it's awesome. It's a Christian camp. So a few years ago, the camp uh, director decided he had this great idea. And the great idea was um, if you were a pastor and you were attending the camp, at the end of the camp, as part of like the final like ceremony, um, you would be put on a spot on the spot and have to preach a 30 second to one minute sermon on anything that people brought to them. So, so for instance, we're, so we're at camp, right? So a kid could bring a pine cone in and you have to like exegete this sermon about like the significance of a pine cone. Oh my gosh. So, so they're asking, so who are the, you know, where are the pastors? And just so we know, so we can bring you up on stage. And of course I'm not raising my hand and someone yells out, Oh, Tom is. And I'm like, Oh crap. <laughs> I am not kidding you. For the next two days, I could not think about anything, but it ruined mm. the last half of my voc uh, of my vacation. And uh, a, a dear friend who uh, was also familiar with the Enneagram, she said to me, Tom, you're a one, right? And I said, yeah, I am. And she goes, that's why you are so like out of sorts right now. She goes, anything that you, you need to be prepared and you need to have things ready. You don't want to just be put on the spot. Um, that's not what it, like a one needs to be ready. And she, I was like, oh my goodness, you are so right. So again, to back up, uh, and that was super helpful. I'll never forget that story and super clarifying to go to your question. I think you got to be careful if you know a one. Yeah. Or in a relationship with a one that they hate surprises. <laughs> Or being put on the spot. Okay. Because it really, it will flip our world upside down because we are not prepared for that. Sure. Well, and it sounds like especially if you're having a hard time protecting that downtime for yourself. Well, that's the other layer. Yes. Right? Then yes. definitely do not. If, yes. if a one has worked hard to protect their, their yes. downtime, then do not interfere with that. <laughs> don't interfere with it. Please don't because we get so precious little of it. Yeah. My last question, I we'll wrap up here in just a minute, but... Um, I don't know if either of you has kids who are ones or if you just think back to your childhood, what do you think it's important for ones to hear when they're kids? Mm. Wow. 
Like, I would think you're putting so much pressure on yourself as a one, even as a kid. Yeah. I wonder what that looks like as a parent, if parents might feed that or might, you know, make it worse or... It's very interesting. So I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because I am pretty sure my daughter's a one. And I did not really consider it before now because she doesn't approach things the way I approach things necessarily. But... Like, the more I think about it, like, the more I see of that in her. So I've never even considered her to be a one um, before, like, this week, um, Okay, I think. Um, and I don't know for sure. Um, so I've been actually thinking about that, like, oh, I wonder how, like, in my thinking that she's not, like, I wonder if I've been unintentionally, like, harming her or pushing her into, because I want her to be perfect, obviously, because I'm trying, like, I want to raise a good human. Yes. And that's huge. That's a huge value for me. So right. I have to be so careful of her more than anyone of not to be overcritical, um, because I want her to be the best she can be. Um, but I wonder if I've actually been like perpetuating any something harmful. Sure. Just sure. And I don't know, but it's something I've been like thinking about a lot lately. Yeah. I have an answer to your question, but I want to go back for one second okay. because you talked to like the parent side of that. The great theologian, Alanis Morissette, has a song called Perfect. And if you guys go back and listen to it, it is the most sobering song for me because I'm like, again, oh crap, I do not want to be mm. that parent to, and I don't have a one child, but to my children at all, that, that what they see is all you want from me is perfection. Mm. I'm not good enough. Again, I'll say again, I'm going to get to your question in a second, but when I walk into my house, I have to be consciously, especially when they were little and they had things all over the place, it's so hard for me because you see the thing that's wrong. And now the toys are in the middle of the floor and the first thing I want to do when I walk in from work and I'm looking for my peace because mm -hmm. it's been a hard day is to say, why is all this you know, stuff on the floor? And it's, it's negative, right? It's always negative. Sure. And I have to consciously, even as they're older and teenagers, I have to consciously say, I am not going to go into this room no matter what. I'm going to give them a hug or say hello. How was your day before I get into the criticism? Like, why didn't you take the garbage cans down the driveway? Because they're still there as I pull right. it, you know? Right. Um, so I, it, it's a great question, Carrie. And again, I love it because this is the thing that makes us... Um, really pause for our lives and say, okay, how am I honoring God in the way I'm parenting or, or whatever? Um, I would say a couple things. First of all, grateful for parents who were, um, who didn't parent all of their kids the same way. Mm -hmm. I think they could see things in all of their kids and did a really good job of, of feeding into that and acknowledging that and supporting that. I would say, I think for me, if I think back and I've not really thought about this question much, I had several adults, whether they be teachers, um, the, the few I'm thinking are teachers or educators who, who encouraged me okay. and said, you have this in you keep doing it. Ones are very competent as kids. 
sure. ones could probably make their way in the world totally fine. Um, but to have an adult to verify that and mm. uh, uh, what's the word? Yeah, validate. Validate that is huge because it gives you a confidence to say, okay, there's something here that I can go with. Um, and so I remember that from whether that was music or sports or even like teaching. I, I preached my first message in high school, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah. But it was because of teachers who said, I see that and you can do that. Yeah. Something that actually made me think of too is I was a pretty high achieving kid. Like I had great grades. I was on stage just since I was little. I mm-hmm. feel like I've been singing as long as I could talk. Um, and... It almost felt like I, as a person, like my accomplishments were acknowledged, but I didn't necessarily feel seen as a person. Hmm. Um, And I always felt unsure, maybe even of my value. And I had, I felt like I had even more pressure because since that, I felt like, and it probably wasn't, but like, it yeah, feels you like. You put it on yourself, typical yeah, one, right? Like, yeah. this is my value. Mm-hmm. So if I don't, if I fail at any of these things, if I don't keep my grades up, if I'm not, if I mess up on stage, if I like don't do something perfectly, that decreases my value and I'm not, um, yeah, it decreases my value. So I think it's important if you have a high achieving one child to make sure mm-hmm. you're not just praising mm-hmm. their actions yeah, and what they good. put out and that you acknowledge who they are. Um, yeah. 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 For sure. No, that makes, that makes so much sense. And I think too, what you said earlier, Kathy, stuck with me. I think there might be some people out there, even as adults who look back and said, Oh man, my, my parents were just wanted me to be perfect. And they felt that they, that I needed to be that. And maybe in listening to this and listening to Kathy, you could even say now, maybe a part of why they did that was a love for you and, a and like wanting you to be the best person you could be. So even though, again, it comes off sometimes maybe, uh, there can be that negative side of it, but maybe that helps even some some people out there to say, okay, my parents my parents loved me. They did this because that was part of their their way of showing that. So, um, well, we'll wrap up here. But were there any other last minute one comments that you guys were dying no, to other share? Than the fact that this is so fun to converse about this, and we could probably go for a really long time. I know. And this is this is what's great. I, I hope that people are listening starting conversations with mm-hmm. their friends definitely and their partners and their kids um and i just don't want to lose sight of the fact that we're doing this because i think for me for kathy i can't think i can speak for her knowing this has opened our eyes to, to how we can better love others and most importantly love god we so so i'm just encouraging our church this is like groundwork stuff to just kind of figure this out and be like oh, this makes way more sense now. And it frees us up to really, again, just be all that we can be for Jesus. So I love that. You put it perfectly, Tom. And my last thought is if you have any questions for next week, uh, please share. We would love to be able to answer some of those. And even if you have questions about something we've already discussed, we can pass along your, your question to 
whatever number you have the yeah. question for. CTHope.com slash Enneagram. You will find a whole bunch of resources and a way to submit your questions. Awesome. So cool. we'll see you guys next week. See ya. <laughs>